Thanks so much for listening to another podcast episode of Complex Identities. This is your host, Juan Marcos Berhana Gutierrez. It's an exciting time for us because this is the beginning of the second season of the podcast. We had 39 episodes in season one, most of them short, five to seven minutes on average, but I think we covered a tremendous amount of material. And the focus, of course, in the first season was to raise the question of Jewish and Christian identity in antiquity. And we looked at that issue and how sometimes we use 21st century perspectives and assumptions and we sort of put those back into antiquity assuming that they mean the same thing. And then we spent a tremendous amount of time looking at a document or a collection of documents known as the Clementine literature. And the reason that we did that is because we wanted to sort of in, in many ways challenge the assumptions about what was Jewish and Christian in late antiquity because those communities seem to straddle the fence, as it were, between what we think about today as Jews and Christians. Now, in this season, we want to begin to focus in on a different topic, and that's the topic of anti-Semitism and anti-Judaism, not simply in antiquity, but from the perspective of emerging Christianity. Many people have heard of anti-Judaism in the uh, literature of the Church Fathers, in the early works of the emerging Christian movement and emerging Christian orthodoxy, but I think it's important to lay out why this is a key topic of concern. Um, I wanted to begin with a discussion about something that's completely unrelated. Uh, a few years ago, I had bought uh, Grimm's Fairy Tales in an attempt to help my wife and I uh, learn or at least improve our creative writing process. Um, I've written a few novels. They haven't had that much success because most of what I do is oriented on the academic side. But I enjoyed it nonetheless, and I thought if I buy a book on fairy tales, it might be something that would benefit both of us and, you know, learn how to develop characters and things of that nature. As often happens, I put the book aside. I didn't really think about it. I was too busy and focused in on other projects. But this last week, my son, Yaron, brought it to me. Uh, Yaron is seven. And almost immediately, he found a story that was titled The Jew in the Thorns. Uh, if you don't know anything about Grimm's Fairy Tales, it's a collection of German fairy tales that was compiled, I think, in the early part of the 19th century. 18th century. So we're talking about the early 1800s, and of course it's based off medieval and early modern fairy tales. As you can imagine, it's not a good story. It depicts a Jew in a very negative light. It's the typical money-grubbing, dark, uh, deceptive imagery of a Jew that is characteristic of much of European anti-Semitism. What was most striking to me was the inclusion of two drawings uh, in this volume. The reason that it was striking to me was because I looked at them and my first thought was Nazi propaganda. So I did a little bit of research and I wasn't off the mark. The Nazis in the 1930s used Grimm's fairy tales and the images that were included to sort of develop their own anti-Jewish propaganda. And the thought that a modern publisher like Barnes & Nobles would include these images without any kind of disclaimer or any kind of uh, warning, I guess you could say, uh, was disturbing to me. And of course, for those of you who are listening to this podcast, you know that uh, about a week and a half ago, um, there was an incident in Colleyville, Texas, which is part of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, where Congregation Beth Israel, a Reform Jewish community, uh, was uh, assaulted or taken hostage, however you want to put that, 
by an Islamic terrorist. And many of the things that he communicated were essentially drawing from, quote unquote, classical anti-Semitism. And so in that sense, it may seem strange for me to bring up the issue of Christian anti-Semitism, but I think it's very much related. And one of the things that I wanted to start off with was a quote from a scholar, Daniel Ephraimson, and he says this regarding the anti-Judaism of the Church Fathers. He says, the road from here to Auschwitz is long and may not be direct, but one can get there from here. And I think that's a tremendously important statement because it makes us understand that there is something in play within church literature, within the understanding of historic Christianity that has lent itself to the rise of anti-Semitic perspectives. Now, in the past, I've communicated these ideas to friends who are Christians, and they often listen quite patiently. In one instance, I remember something that was a little bit surprising to me. I was mentioning the fact that there's this tragic relationship between Jews and Christians over the issue of anti-Semitism and anti-Judaism. And the individual that was listening to me responded and said, well, I, I can see that to a certain extent, but the reality is that you, you know, Jews persecuted us, i.e. Christians, first. And when he said that, I was sort of taken aback. And I asked him to explain. And he said, well, in the New Testament, it's clear that Jews are in opposition to the quote-unquote Jesus message, to the Jesus movement. Whatever term that we want to use, it's clear that they were against it, and, and at times they would act violently against it. Talking about some of the uh, persecution comments that are made in the book of Acts and also in other uh, aspects of the New Testament. And I responded to that after sort of thinking about it, and I said, well, in its early stages, certainly in the middle decades of the first century, the majority of individuals who adhered to uh, the Jesus movement, or again, whatever you want to call it, were Jews. And at that, the individual who had brought up the issue was sort of unsure of how to proceed. But it was clear to me that from his perspective, he believed that this was a mutual issue that was of concern. Now, when I brought up the issue of anti-Semitism throughout the centuries, and I showed him passages from the Church Fathers, where I talked about Martin Luther, or I talked about these perspectives, one of the common responses came about. And this individual, as an evangelical Christian, essentially rejected any kind of link between these ancient Christian perspectives and his own faith. And that is something that I have seen over time, many times. One of the conversations that I had with a former supervisor at a different company not, than the one that I work for um, would often use that. And his, his de defense would be that these are not real Christians. The, the individuals that did that, yes, I recognize that they held anti-Semitic beliefs or that they held anti-Jewish beliefs that lent themselves to the rise of violence, but a true Christian would never involve themselves with that. And of course, in a very polite way, since he was my supervisor, I basically said that that was a cop-out. And I said, if an individual cannot be you know, put under the category of Christianity because of a particular action that they take, then who is the legitimate person? Who, who is the legitimate participant or the individual Christian that 
can be characterized as such. And to that, he was unsure on how to respond. And I think that this is something that in many ways most evangelical Christians in the United States today struggle with because in their own minds, they believe that their faith is connected solely to the scripture, the scripture that they accept, the, the, you know, what we would call the Tanakh, what they would call the Old Testament and the New Testament. And anything that has happened in between the first century and the 21st century is really something that in many ways doesn't concern them. I think that there are certainly individuals who are members of more traditional Protestant denominations, such as the Anglican Church, uh, for example, who have taken a much deeper review of that issue and have come to the conclusion that, yes, the church has culpability uh, or a share of responsibility in the rise and in the continuation of anti-Semitic or anti-Jewish perspectives. And so I want to return back to my story about Grimm's fairy tales. This book is being published and disseminated by Barnes & Nobles. I don't know who has reviewed the book. I don't know what editor is in charge of that. But the significance of it is that it, in many ways it's intended for children as well as for adults. And without an explanation of the past, this is an idea that can very easily continue to influence people who come across this material. And I think in many ways, what we find in traditional Christianity, and at least in the American experience, is that there's often a lack of awareness about these kinds of things. They may exist, if you will, in the theoretical, but they don't seem to be a great concern for most Christians. And this season, I want to focus in on that issue and how pervasive anti-Judaism and anti-Semitism are unfortunately part of many facets, not all, but certainly many facets of historic Christianity and what can be done to rectify that. So if you're interested in this topic, make sure to follow Complex Identities and join us on this fascinating discovery of Jewish history and Christian history and the relationship between these two communities.